You wear your scars like Sunday best, like a six inch heel in a summer dress, like the beauty of the sun setting or a new day dawning, almost like a flower that's blooming. Look at that handful of tomorrow's knocking, possibilities mapped in the ground that you walk in, your radiance is haunting, there is flawlessness in the parts where your body is curving. Through you we see the glamour in breaking, in weeping until you cleanse, in falling until you dance, in giving yourself a second chance, in sending yourself love letters and then writing back, because that is how a godly woman breaks. You wear your scars like Sunday best. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Wear My Scars, Finding Beauty and Brokenness. I'm your host, Zintlek Lulu. Um, it has been a minute. <laughs> I've missed the platform. Life has been hectic, but I'm so glad that we are back connecting again. Shout out to Nolutando Butelezi, Poetry and Current Affairs for that intro um, yet again. And thank you. Welcome if you're listening in for the first time. And if you're back again, thank you so, so much for your love and support. Remember that uh, feel free to share the link with as many people as you can. Let's get a lot of women hearing these stories of healing and hope stories of finding beauty and brokenness um you know find us uh, on social media let's connect as well i'm zintle on purpose on facebook as well as instagram and uh, you can also connect to the ladies whose stories you would have um heard if you've been listening um and feel free actually to browse through and check out other stories i've got tandega's story of of sexual abuse i've got tato as well a similar story i've got ayanda's story on depression and mental health issues and um you know, I've got yours. We've got so many stories. I've got my own stories. I've got Louisa's story about um, how she stayed, even though she saw the signs that the man she was about to marry was not right for her. So all of that and more is found here on the podcast. So feel free to visit those and listen to them as well and be encouraged. Um, but uh, for now, let's get on to Lungile's story. And I will not say much about this. You're going to have to listen for yourself until the end. It is such a powerful story. And I think I love the perspective she brings into the whole issue of gender-based violence but i'm not going to spoil it to you i'll let you hear it for yourself do enjoy my gender-based violence scars lungi lehlatshwayo hi there my name is lungi lehlatshwayo and this is how i wear my scars i am a 33 year old who is a mother of one precious 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 <laughs> and handsome young boy he is five years of age turning six in august i am a single mother i am uh, a groomed and growing leader um, i am the founder of a company called the green coaching network which is a network of professional business coaches i am also an innovation program manager I um, I come from a family of three siblings and I'm born and bred in Soweto. Both my parents um, are from KZN. My mother's from Guanongoma. My dad is from Bakeville. May his soul rest in peace. I lost my dad uh, about a year and a half ago. And this here is to share my story of how I wear my gender-based violence scars with you and um, 
and hope it might change and have an effect into this in the spaces that that we're in and the spaces that we're trying to to change so intentionally when i was geez how old was i i was 20 yeah i was i was 20 i was fresh out of high school i had just gotten into tertiary i was a psychology student at varsity college and um, i fell in love with a peer of mine and uh, it was just so so crazy so beautiful so young so vibrant so puppy lavish <laughs> so yeah all those things that happen with two people that are just obsessing over how they feel about each other um the same person that was my my very first and um we had a relationship just as i started a job actually at um at a company i won't disclose i don't think it it matters but we 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 worked together um just as I had dropped out of um, taking my classes at Varsity College and, and, and started working within this job and we worked together and it was incredible. We were quite infatuated, had such a great relationship um, for probably a year or two. Let me just say about two years in. Um, I mean, my mother was familiar with him I was very familiar with his family. He was more his family was more casual. Uh my family on the other end very very strict father. Um so no no chance of that proper zulu stuff there, right? And uh, <laughs> my mom was a little casual knew about it, but you know, nothing serious. Um whereas on his side, his family was between himself and his mother, they were like siblings, you know. And so it was just so easy to engage them and his younger sister and his extended family, his uncles, his cousins. So it was like one being a part of another big family um, over the two years that we had been together. And I spent a lot of time, um, obviously, with him at his place. He lived with his mom. Um, had a room at his house and we would spend a lot of time there. Um, a lot of rebelliousness from my end. I mean, I would have nights where I stay over at his place, you know, you know, the infatuated kind of love that young people experience and you don't go home and then I'm in trouble and then it's a thrill and then I'm in trouble. I have to go back home and oof, yeah, it was all, all fun and games, but, um, Jeesh, I put my mother through a lot during this time. I put my mother through a lot. Um, fast forward this um, to exactly towards the end of the two years. Um, we were working for a company where we worked until late. We would actually knock off at about 12 o'clock sometimes. So we would walk down um, to a capello that was very close by quite often. And on this particular day, he had knocked off a little bit, almost an hour or two earlier than I did. And we had said, no, we'll meet 
there um, with you know a group of our colleagues, some fellow friends, and so forth. And so we decided that we would we would meet at the Capello. So around about eleven, we knock off, and you know, the rebelliousness of the streets. We young, we just like yeah, let's let's go and chill and have a drink or whatever. And we did that. And as soon as I walked in, there was a table with our friends. And as I walked in, he walked towards me. Aggressively so. Furiously so. And he just attacked me. I was so shocked. (laughs) I was so shocked. I was so confused. And I think... So were a couple of people that were sitting with him. I think nobody saw this coming. But that moment, um, I mean, you can imagine in a in a place that looks like that, there's a bouncer and now they, you know, start to separate, take him out, hold me back inside. And so I go back inside. I'm with my colleagues and friends. And now as girls, we go into the bathroom and I'm just like, what was that? And everybody's just shocked because I have also just never seen that. And so, I mean, in disbelief, I'm just like, no, man. No, guys, I like, can I go speak to my man? What's what's happening? Why am I being beat up all of a sudden? And I then decide to go outside he's been he's outside now i then decide to go outside um rebelliously so to everybody else that's saying Ugh, just leave him i'm just in disbelief i'm also just embarrassed you know I, I, nothing like that has ever happened to me before and i really was not expecting it and so i walk out and i walk to him and and i say you know what's going on and <laughs> Again, I just get a straight attack. Um, I dropped it. <laughs> I dropped to the floor and my head is on the ground. Um, his Timberland boot is on my neck. Um, I am on the pavement. I literally have cars crossing right on top of my skull. I'm scared that I'm about to die because this person doesn't seem to care that the street has cars that are just passing by and I was just so shocked so scared it was an absolute nightmare and so at that point somebody else um, came to assist but I think what I had learned in that immediate moment was that people don't get involved when somebody is being abused, you know, even back then. And this was back in, in, in 2008. People don't get involved. Um, or rather 2009, I think, to be exact. People don't get involved. You know, they don't want to get get into the scene of now, you know, also being attacked by this crazy person that's attacking you. But also, they, you know, I could die. You know, this could be a scene, but but nobody chooses to get involved at that point. Um, eventually, somebody did. Um, and, yeah, and that was, I think, my last attempt uh, to try anything to find out what this could be about. And um, I 
called a taxi, got onto a taxi and went home. Well, it wasn't as easy to call a taxi in those days, but hey, we managed to get onto a taxi and got home. And that very night, I mean, my mom was expecting me to come back home late, but um, yeah, I was I was extra late and, and you know, and as I, I went into the house, I just cried, you know, I just cried. I just, when I saw my mom, I just broke down, you know. And and then I explained to her what happened. And of course, she was furious, you know. And I remember the next day she woke me up and she said, let's go to the police station and, and go and open a case. And, you know, I was so confused. Remember, I still don't know what I was being beat up for. And we went to the police station and my mother did all the talking. And I remember the man at the police station asking if does she want to open a case because ultimately the case can only be opened when she wants to open it and i stood there you know naive and in fear and in love nonetheless and to my mom's disappointed i said no disappointment i said no i don't want to open a case and that's where you know I think a cycle of abuse or I accepted a cycle of abuse when at that point I my feelings or how I felt about the person was more than than what was right at that time or even just my esteem you know like why did it not matter that I got treated like a a complete animal you know why did it not matter that that I got mistreated that much and I felt that how I felt about the person was more important than what was right and what was wrong. Did I know what is right and what was wrong? Was it because I did not know why this had happened to me to begin with? But looking back, I think that's definitely where the cycle started um, on that particular acceptance when I outright and blatantly disappointed my mother and said no I don't want to open a case in front of of herself and a policeman with the policeman then responding and saying if there isn't a case if if the victim is not willing to open a case unfortunately nobody is able to on their behalf and in great disappointment um we went back home um to me having quite an earful of a, a lecture from my mother rightfully so you know, but very minimal understanding from my naive and young self in love self. And so, you know, I think at that point, what also happened is that it closed all the the barriers um, and all the chances of me opening up even more towards my mother about anything further happening at this point. Because what what could I possibly come back and say after I had chosen almost him despite what had happened in that very point I chose him over myself you know in front of my mother and um and that's when the the closing part of family comes in you know um uh, needless to say in a couple of days you know saw him at work you know engaged with him again you know he tried to explain to me that he had heard a rumor um, that I had done something with somebody else, and it was a really, a really you know minute story compared to the experience that he had put me through with very 
little thinking if any at all and I was just so confused because I did not expect this from him um also needless to say that somehow in all of this you managed to find yourself back into that relationship hoping that you know this nightmare would never happen again you know and it did it did happen again it happened many many times again um and it silenced my voice at home obviously because um i had not opened up to now being back in a relationship with this person again my mother would never ever accept that um and i mean i had instances i i think i experienced another year long of being of being in an abusive relationship with this gentleman as we continued to spend more time together you know um he would just threaten me out of nowhere um and then he would actually beat me down you know he would he would literally kick me you know in in public in the streets he would just get upset over not knowing where i am or i had a contract phone um that uh he had access to a bill to and i used to see that and he used to see that and he would question phone numbers and he would go through the numbers and track who it was and he was very insecure extremely jealous um he just had the power of abuse and he used his voice and his hand so much to 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 get through a lot of things that we could have um gotten through in conversation and he was very apologetic extremely apologetic for a lot of the things that that he would do i mean he would hit me so badly sometimes um i would need to be locked into his room um for for days and be away from work and be away from family and switch off my phone especially because you know when i had moved from telling uh, these being able to tell these stories or being able to say anything at home at all it was to my friends that that um i would tell these stories but i mean even my friends got to a point where they were extremely exhausted um of hearing all of these incidences and so i found myself entangled alone in a space where i couldn't communicate in a space where i remember one day when he his mashed my head against the wall literally grabbed me by the neck hit me on my forehead twice onto the wall i immediately had an enlarged forehead and it was just so traumatic i mean i remember an instance of one day going to his place and um finding him in bed with another woman and as soon as i i got angry you know he slapped me so hard kicked me so badly in front of this woman you know and i mean for no reason i mean this behavior just had no reason even my my staying at this point had no reason as well you know there was no uh, looking back i can't even re- i can't even think what i was thinking I can't even think if I ever thought about myself or even thought of loving myself if those existed if they awakened uh me at any point I was just too too attached and tangled 
and felt that this was the only way to to live and have life and so this was it and yeah um none of these instances ever reached a a a police report at all i lived with them for the longest time and i would recover i'd go back home and um you know with a very frustrated mother that wouldn't know where i am for days on end until i come back um and by that time i'd look better than than what i would have looked like when i had to come back home um i'd go back home i mean i remember how this just could have just ruined my my career but i mean i was young i was in a a, a much lower position a ranking and it it i suppose it it didn't it wasn't my focal point uh and growing within the 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 hierarchy of the the organization at all i mean i wasn't thinking about that at all but now that i think about it very detrimental to a working space uh because i'd have to show up with forged doctor's letters or you know some sort of a really big excuse of why i haven't made work in 5 days all right so that was for a long time eventually one day i remember this one day you know i thought to myself after experiencing more women um that he was cheating with more abuse for simple things that could be conversated for jealousies for insecurities for um insinuations and assumptions for for being with friends that he just didn't like i mean at this point there was there was never any logical reasoning at all and i must say that one of the the things i always want to say is that when you decide to stay in a in an abusive relationship you don't just stay there and get abused um at some point or another you fight back i went through so much horrific physical fights i mean we both could turn a room absolutely upside down and when i say upside down i mean with broken glasses and all all over the place because i now was fighting for myself the only way i i i knew how at that moment knowing that there are other means of which i could have put up this fight but i was not considering those which were which was to leave you know um but i was not considering that at all and so when you don't leave and you stay then you stay for a fight and that was my life and i remember um after discovering another girlfriend you know and at this point i think it was um towards 2010 yeah in 2010 um and i said to myself you know what i would really love a different life this can't be i mean this is now 3 years i'm young you know um but i can't do this anymore and after all the talks that my friends have had with me that really have been on deaf ears um i decided that i wanted to change i remember how swiftly seamlessly quickly everything happened um i was working with and very closely to some colleagues um in 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 cape town and by god actually i grew so much um in the space of my of my career that i had gotten to a a a position that was fairly um higher than where i had started with a different company and i i, I was i was a specialist in something very specific and i said to this office in cape town look guys you 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 know i'm so busy this side in johannesburg but you guys are always calling me don't you guys just need somebody to come that side in cape town 
and I remember my colleague saying that would be a great idea you know and sure long story short actually short story very short um they opened up an opportunity for me to go there I was moving to Cape Town I left I went to Cape Town um I told my mother she did not understand but I mean she also did not know um I hid so much of my life she was not aware that this is what I was going through and this is the reason I was leaving and so I left um you know my family accepted I left I went to Cape Town um I mean the offer that I was also moving for was nothing really um different from what I had been receiving I had no money um I was not financially savvy at all I used all the money that I possibly could have had secured a place to live I mean the company wasn't even paying for that and I was just like it's okay it's okay I'll go I was desperate and I left I left I went to go live in Cape Town and um sure what a what a what an arrival you know in a place where you don't know anybody um an arrival in in a space where um i i literally had to figure everything out from from the moment i landed there how to get to where i was going to live um wh- what i was going to to live on <laughs> i mean there was no chance of any f- money for furniture for a bed i hadn't even thought about it i was in cape town that's it i left everything and i was going to be in cape town for as long as i could and so i remember one of the funniest things was uh, me buying pumped up beds um probably about 5 of them i mean one at a time though but i had no money that could afford me a bed and i just kept changing the brands because every time i would wake up on one it would have a hole somewhere and it would be deflated i'd end up on the carpet but no chance of buying one that was just it um i literally lived opposite a, a bottle store um <laughs> and so i lived off a lot of alcohol there a lot of sleeping pills um i mean i was still in a, in recovery phase really um and trying to get over this depression never mind this having run away from my life literally and um that was my life for a couple of years um, for a couple of months i remember almost on my fourth month in cape town you know nothing's really changed i'm still living on alcohol and sleeping tablets um and takeaways i'm still pretty much living on a pump up bed i can't remember i think by then i had gotten a a bed at least i still don't have a fridge i've no intention really of getting furniture for now i'm just trying to make means and survive and live One day I get a call while I'm in the office that I I have somebody to see me at reception. And to my surprise, you know, I get there and it's him. You know, it's 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 my abuser. Um I don't know if I should refer to him as my abuser, but it's it's the it's the gentleman. Whew, yeah. Tough to name him, right? <laughs> it's the gentleman and um I was shaking. I was shaking. They he scared me. This is how I was every time. Sometimes even on a normal day where I wouldn't know how he would react. I was just shaking. I just got there and I was just shaking. And I couldn't believe that he was there and and he he asked me, you know, politely, "Can you um please not react this way?" And well i managed to to control myself 
um, just enough so that everybody around us couldn't see. And I remember walking with him to a, um, a spur that was close by. And uh, like, what are you doing here? And to cut a very long conversation short, um, this person was here because he had realized how he lost something really big um, in me. And he was so sorry, so, so sorry for everything that he did to me and he didn't mean to. And he's left his whole life in Johannesburg just to come and follow me and be with me. And he's hoping that um, I will take him in and start a new life with him here in Cape, in Cape Town. This was horrific. This was a horror movie. This was unbelievable. I, I was, I was, I just couldn't, I was scared. I was terrified. Um, I called a friend of mine and, you know, she immediately said to me, no chance, you know, call the police, get help. There's no way you can't take that guy in. And meanwhile, um, he's he's waiting at the spur that 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 he had uh, been sitting at, um, because I said to him, "Look, I I really need to get back to work. Um, can I just talk to you after work?" And now I'm in the office and I'm 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 having this telephonic conversation with a friend of mine, and I can hear what she's saying, and I I absolutely agree. I should go to the police, um, if I can and let them know of this incident and who this person is and maybe get a restraining order, anything to protect myself at this point. But I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, I, after work, I went back to him. I cried in terror, but I still accepted him. I took him back into my house um, and he was to find a job and yeah, that's where we were. He was back in my life in a different province. And again, needless to say, it was the same situation. Given another two months, um, I explicitly remember me being thrown down the stairs of my loft, hitting the balcony um, with my head, with him furiously running towards me down the stairs to kick me some more and I remember immediately thinking to myself I cannot afford to have my body sent to my mother in a body bag I cannot afford to have my body sent in a body bag to my mother and I remember screaming screaming opening the the sliding door and screaming um, so loud to the neighbors that lived behind, um, and it happened to be some uh, police, a police um, lesbian couple, who saw me by God's grace and uh, came around um, to because it the 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 it was a different complex at the back, so they came around for an entrance into my complex and they let them in as they were police people. And he, he realized that um, they were coming his way. So he ran out on another gate, uh, on an, a different exit. He ran out of the, the complex and I, I remember them coming in and me being on the floor and crying. And yeah, and I think that's when a, a another different part of the story started. Um, in that I was faced with the beginning of the cycle where I now had to put a restraining order, which is what, um, you know, they immediately said to me, you know, you can't live like this. Um, also advised that I would probably need to move out uh, for a while, a couple of weeks or so. 
um, maybe try and stay at a friend's or anything like that. I hadn't really made any friends, but there was a, a, an Indian lady that I had gotten acquainted to. Um, it was a very strange acquaintance, but she didn't live too far from where I lived. And I remember giving her a call and she, and she was like, of course, you know, you can come and be with me maybe for the week. And then let's see if she, if he contacts you. And if he does, then at least you can contact the police and then they can, um, allow you in, allow him in to get his things and go. And that, that happened within the week. I mean, I locked up my place, I, I moved out, uh, put in a restraining order and, I remember one day as I was in the office, I got a call again and he was at reception and he said to me, I need to get my things from your place. And I said, um, OK, but I called the police. I called particularly the lady that was my neighbor and we she came to get me. We went to my place, opened up and he got his stuff and he left, you know, and I think that marked for me the end with the words that my mother could not receive my body in a body bag because I was convinced that he would kill me this time around, especially after the, the countless experiences that I had with him. And and so, you know, um, long a story cut short, I mean, I lived in Cape Town for a good three years, three and a half years. And um, I mean, I, I lived in fear as I, I grew you know, and I, I somehow recovered. I moved out of, out of the place that I left so that I couldn't be traceable by him anymore. I made new friends. Um, I got to enjoy this beautiful province called Cape Town. You know, I got to travel. I got to see places and got enlightened that there is life outside of this, this horrific life that I've tied myself to for about four to five years now, you know, there's absolute life. And I got so enlightened on that. And it became my absolute recovery. Because I think a lot of times, when you are caught in an abusive relationship, you don't consider that there's life, there's an actual beautiful life out there. And Cape Town was just my savior in that regard. Um, to wrap up this this particular story, what I want to share with you is that, um, I mean, after three and a half years, I came back um, due to career changes and opportunities and developments. I, I, I came back to Johannesburg and um, he still lived in Cape Town. I believe he had a child with somebody in Cape Town who I got to learn as well was a child that was conceived um, during our relationship in the time that we were together um, and how I was not known to exist. But, you know, this lady had also been in my place and all of that. Um, but years later, you know, he he called me. I think this must have been about two years or a year um, and a half with me being back in Johannesburg. He called me um, to speak to me for an hour you know, on the phone and just apologize. And, you know, I mean, this guy broke down an apology of being a man that didn't know what he was doing, you know, and um, he's reflecting upon himself and he just saw it so necessary to give me a call and apologize for all that he has done, all that he has been, um, and that I was non-deserving of it. And he really just needed to give an explanation to something he still can't fully explain but 
it was an apology nonetheless and i knew deep down in my heart that the only person that would stay imprisoned with this whole experience and history and you know memory of pain um such a long lived pain in my life um i would be the only one imprisoned by that if i didn't if i didn't accept this apology and 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 simply move on with my life i mean i had moved on with my life but simply moved on with this apology you know in view and i accepted his apology and i think from there onwards you know we never had direct interactions or anything like that but i think we were pleasant with each other in a sense that um you know every whatever months you know he would say hi i hope you're doing well you know and i'd be hi you know either on text or social media so it was safe to say we had a an experience that we we both were were able to recover from through an apology i also just want to to wrap up and say that um this gentleman passed away i think it's about 2 years uh, now and i think for me it was very comforting to go through um feeling the pain that he was somebody that i once loved and known that passed away and that i was able to forgive which brings about a very different perspective for me when it comes to gender based violence and not to say that um there is any any there's a part of me that that takes away the accountability of 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 the abusers you know but there is an element of forgiveness that needs to be carried around when when there is a chance to do so um there is an environment that needs to be created for people to be able to own up to the wrongs that they've done as men grow and discover themselves and find that i did wrong is there a conducive space in which they can then apologize so that we can mend society and um mend ourselves you know in the process so i tend to worry about that uh, because my experience then took me to a grieving process where i was able to fully grieve have pain and feel that this is somebody i loved and 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 you know bid them farewell in 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 pain you know and really feel it um but also with no bitterness and hate and and revengefulness and you know anything like you ruined my life so quite frankly i live and i wear the scars of abuse because i forgave and that's a hard hard story um to tell but it's it's really got a a a light in the end um that i forgave and that is how i wear my scars in such grace right now um i'm happy i'm developing i'm grown i'm a professional i'm a business owner um i am thriving in my life in joy and in abundance and i am thoroughly thoroughly um grateful and blessed for all that i have through my family and my friends and all of my acquaintances and my experience in gender based violence does not imprison me to my growth um but it does give me an insight of where we are as a generation um of young people growing women um in workspaces and in homes that are that are really such um turmoil and trouble i i i understand i understand that is how i wear my scars lungile hlatswa thank you